podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So I was so surprised here that a book author would allow a publisher to misspell his or her name or to reverse the first and the middle name like with Constance Victoria Briggs last week where I mistakenly read her name as it was inside the cover of the book and it turned out that they messed it up. Now, I don't know about you, but if my books appeared, and of course Chris Rutkowski will agree with me, if our books appeared with misspellings in our names, we would freak. Is that a proper statement, Chris? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would that'd be correct. Although I'm, I'm rarely actually having my name spelled correctly in almost every forum. Of course, you, Stein Jeanberg, often have uh, have my name spelled correctly so that's a that's a bonus yes well mr kamrutsky actually i think we're the only form that does spell his name correctly uh, probably yeah your middle initials m right chris m for what no it's a. oh it isn't okay okay then i'm looking at a different chris rutkowski <laughs> there are actually five different chris rutkowskis who are in media i'm just one of them so what's your middle name chris it's Anthony. Anthony. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. I could see how you, how people could get those two mixed up. Like with me, my first actual real legal name is Joseph. But it's oh. just one of those things. There's lots of people like that because they get named after their parents and to keep them from getting all mixed up. When they're calling people for dinner, they use their middle name instead, right? So maybe that was the case with Constance. You can call her anything you want, just don't call her late for dinner. (laughs) And that's why. Well, of course, we have John Charles Julian Lennon, who, of course, is Julian Lennon. You know what? The point I wanted to bring up with Constance Briggs is her book on moon mysteries. And the title sounded good and the contents looked interesting. And it seemed, though, as if she plucked ideas out of the air or on the Internet and didn't bother to research them. So I know we gave her a hard time about George Adamski. Uh, now, George, right, which everybody would do. But amongst all the crazy claims George Adamski made, other than just meeting a long-haired Michael Rennie in the desert named Orthon in 1952, was to claim to have flown around the moon in a spaceship. Yeah. Not, not, of course, having a clue about the moon. Maybe he was watching radar men from the moon the Republic movie Serial, and got all his ideas from that. Actually, he flew in a Chrysler hubcap and oh, ping pong yeah, balls. Exactly, yeah. Right, that's what they used. In any case, I corrected her, mentioned Howard Menger, which she also had in her book, and Billy Meyer, and quoting Michael Sala, and like that. And she was nice about it. And then I sent her some links to... The special Adamski expose issue of Jim Mosley's Saucer News, which I think is one of the best things Jim put out. It's back in 1957. A link about Howard Menger backtracking on his contact claims in the mid-60s, where he thought maybe he was the victim of government testing experimentation or something like that. And then she says she's trying to back out of the show after the show has been recorded and submitted to the network. 
I didn't tell you this, Randall, or maybe you saw no, the No, but that's the first I've heard of that. So, w- yes, what was going on with that? Or should we even talk about that if that's the Well, case? we just did. So, I no, I'm, I think so it's worth it because I don't think she wanted to be corrected. The problem is here is that with the Paracast, if someone says something that's wrong, even me, somebody's going to correct it. That's what we're here for is to try to look for the truth. Oh, man, if you think we're bad, you should listen to Kevin Randall's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) He'll just call him right out. (laughs) Tim Tim Printy or, you know, some of those other ones. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, I thought she was all right. Like, you know, I, I actually came to her defense a little bit because the book she's written is sort of an encyclopedic style book, right? It just has a bunch of different entries about different facets of whatever the subject matter is. Do do we really need to put, you know, this person claims that this is what happened to them in front of every single sentence? Or is it, you know, can we safely assume that this is just an article about what those people claim? Yeah, but you have to look at it this way, too. What does George Adamski have to do with legitimate moon mysteries or any moon mysteries? Howard Menger, what does he have to do with it? These people had nothing whatever to do with anything related to a moon mystery in a practical sense. And so what was the point? I have no idea why would they would be included, except there are people today more so with Adamski. But there are people who still believe Adamski after all these years. Over 60 years ago, he was exposed as a fake in many, many ways from the photos to things about his claims that just didn't stand up scientifically by what we knew about the moon. Forget about having Orthon come from Venus. What's the temperature on the surface of Venus now, Chris? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's up there. It's, uh, what, 300 uh, Celsius or something like that? Okay, you, you get the point. It, it's summer there and the cold of winter. I don't I don't mind getting some of the esoterica in these books. I mean, if you're if you're to get a moon mysteries book that was just purely scientific, it wouldn't have any of those interesting little tidbits, which to me are interesting. And I'm able to determine, you know, what is obviously kind of out on the fringe and what's not. So, you know, I, I don't I just find that I. You know, I cut people a lot more slack for the cultural side of things. It, it doesn't always have to be about proof and truth and and facts and, and everything else to be interesting, you know? I just don't think George Adamski and Howard Manger have anything to do with lunar mysteries. Not that the mysteries have to be true. Right. Or we can have Martian and mysteries and talk about the face on Mars, and there are people who will argue that as a point of science, allegedly, or as a point of look at the photographs, maybe they do look like someone's face. There are ways to legitimately debate that issue without some wacky old contactee saying he flew around the moon, that's a lunar mystery. No, it's not. It's a claim about flying around the moon. So maybe that was being too technical. The point being here, I'm going to ask Chris Rutkowski before we get into the more general UFO-related stuff. Are there any legitimate or semi-legitimate lunar mysteries that are interesting and worth someone's attention? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, In fact, and I don't think she had this in her book, but uh, my uh, undergraduate thesis in astronomy was about uh, transient lunar phenomena, which are uh, lights and uh, 
other interesting things that are observed from Earth to appear on the moon. And uh, they've been uh, examined for many, many years. In fact, the Apollo astronauts had set up some experiments to test uh, whether there's some outgassing from some residual uh, volcanic flows deep within the moon. Uh, People have seen lights moving on the moon, uh, red patches. uh, And as a matter of fact, one of the Apollo experiments did detect um, transient uh, well, fluctuations in certain levels of gazes on the moon, suggesting that there is some outgassing going on, even though technically the moon is dead. So I actually wrote about this back in the oh, 1980s, something like that. And uh, that was my that was actually a thesis in uh, undergraduate astronomy. Uh, and curiously enough, while I was working on that, I did, of course, a literature search, and I discovered that there was an observatory... Uh, in the United States, uh, which was dedicated, one of the projects was dedicated to examining the moon for such transient lunar phenomena. And the director of that particular observatory program was a fellow that I had heard of in other contexts by the name of J. Allen Hynek. We are going to have more with Chris Rutkowski, Gene and Randall, you're in The Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If there's a sudden disaster and you can't get to the grocery store or they're all out of food, what would you do? You wish you had emergency food to get you through the crisis. And that's why we're here. We're MyPatriotSupply.com, America's leading source of emergency food. Our food lasts for up to 25 years and millions of families trust us for their disaster survival. Won't you join us? Unlike other food companies, we don't skimp on calories. Our meals give you more than 2,000 calories per day. Why? Because that's what you need to survive any challenging crisis. And right now, you can save $200 on our popular three-month emergency food kit. Just go to MyPatriotSupply.com and place your order. We ship fast, two to three days max. And your food arrives discreetly right to your door. So order today and save $200 at MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamG'day.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. 
Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with longevity. Teamgaday.com. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware. Not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients. American made with American ingredients employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So the name J. Allen Hynek comes up in your research into lunar mysteries. Chris Rutkowski. Tell us Absolutely. more. Yeah. And so he, uh, he'd actually directed a program for observing the moon for unusual lights as an astronomical exercise. So that was very interesting that, you know, in a way he was doing a, I don't know, an end run through scientific literature and, and research to study UFOs, not on Earth, but on the moon. So there are, in fact, a number of interesting uh, lunar mysteries that continue to haunt astronomers. There's also another interesting mystery called mascons, uh, mass concentrations that exist underneath the surface of the moon, uh, which actually have to be calculated and understood when sending spacecraft and satellites to the moon, which they're going to be sending very soon, some more, because uh, underneath the moon surface is not uniform basaltic rock or, or whatever. There's actually large quantities and large patches of very, very dense material. And this has to do with the way it was formed and perhaps the way uh, that things shifted around over the, the many uh, millions of years. But if you actually send a satellite to orbit the moon in a circular orbit without taking into account that there's chunks of, of something under the surface that have a denser material that actually increase the gravity and decrease the gravity as you pass over, very soon, if you don't take that into account, the satellite will either spin off into space or crash into the surface of the moon. So there are, in fact, a number of very interesting mysteries that are associated with the moon. And, you know, there's a, a whole wealth of information to, uh, to examine. 
What is your theory on how the moon was formed? I, I, there's been three main theories, but, but what is, which one do you favor? Well, that's an interesting question. I've enjoyed all the, uh, the various ones about the fact that it sort of was spat out of the, the Earth and uh, it was formed at the same time at the Earth and that, uh, it, uh, that something collided with the Earth. I suspect that it formed about the same time as the Earth, but, uh, you know, by golly, it's, it's really tempting to, uh, to look at some of the other theories that, uh, that have been proposed over the years. And I actually don't know which is the prevailing theory right now. I suspect it's the one that was formed at the same time, but I've, I've seen some, uh, some uh, uh, suggestion recently about uh, a collision uh, in space that resulted in uh, the moon being created. Not necessarily a Vel- Velikovskian uh, billiard ball kind of thing, but... Uh, but something that occurred nearby the Earth. So it's, you know, there's still so much that we have to learn, and maybe some of the return trips to the moon uh, to look for water and uh, and other minerals and, uh, uh, you know, things like that will, will help solve some of these mysteries. Now, early on, there were all sorts of theories about the backside of the moon being something really weird. What do we know about the backside of the moon today? Well, you know, it's it's faced a lot of a lot more bombardment, and the lava flows uh, are mostly on our side, the ones that's facing the Earth, and that's why uh, all the the large maria uh, are on our side of the moon that's that's locked into orbit, and that that attests to the fact that uh, you know any uh, incoming comets are going to be impacting uh, the side of the moon that's not locked in into uh, uh, facing the Earth, so. There are uh, some interesting effects there. That, of course, there are a few maria on the uh, dark side of the moon, but uh, it's very, very much rugged, very, very much more cratered than it, than we see uh, where the lava flows on the Earth side. Aha! I think I just caught you in a, in, in okay, dark side of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a Pink Floyd album? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And in that album, uh, there's a, someone talking kind of in the background. And I believe he says something to the effect that, that as a matter of fact, it's all dark. It's all dark. That's it's right. all dark. I, I mean, it, really, there is no dark side of the moon necessarily. I guess, it, you know, at some point or another, there will be a dark side and a light side. But it's not like the side facing away from us is always dark. No, no. In fact, uh yeah, the moon, uh, and there's no question that the sunlight falls on all parts of the moon. There are some interesting curiosity uh, aspects to this in that there's an effect called libation, um, so that the moon actually does not, it's not exactly 50-50. Um, you can actually see a little bit into the far side of the moon uh, on occasion from one side or another, depending on how the uh, uh, the libation effect uh, uh, manifests. So, you can actually see, uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a several degrees into uh, into the back of the moon from time to time. And w- some of the other interesting uh, anomalies about the moon is that I, when I'm teaching some uh, uh, some kids some basic astronomy, uh, that the angular diameter of the moon is, of course, very very close to the angular diameter of the sun. In fact, both can be covered up if you hold a simple aspirin or Tylenol or whatever you want to use at arm's length. Because uh, when you ask people how big the moon is in the sky, people will say, oh, sometimes they'll say dinner plate or, or uh, 
you know, baseball or, or something like that, or even a dime. But uh, the reality is it's actually very, very small in angular diameter compared to anything else. And it only looks big because of what's called the moon illusion, that uh, it appears to be much larger in the sky because we don't have reference points. But when it's lower on the horizon, it's going to look much, much smaller, even though that's when it tends to get a little bit distorted. So there, there is a wealth of interesting things that can be discussed about the moon. Now, one of the theories early on, and this came from Major Keogh back in the 50s and others, is that maybe E.T., if E.T. were sending us flying saucers, they'd set up bases on the dark side of the moon, the back side of the moon, so we'd have real difficulty detecting them. Well, you know, we're going to be setting up camp on the back side of the moon as well. Um, one of the problems we have, of course, is that the Earth radiates so much uh, radio signals that uh, you know that a radio telescope has some issues, and in fact, optical telescopes have issues as well with because of the brightness of of the Earth, uh, even the ones that are in orbit. But if you put a telescope, radio or optical or what have you, on the far side of the Moon, um, it's shielded from all that nasty interference from the Earth that we would get. And uh, you'd be able to see and uh, resolve uh, things much, much better. So there are actually plans in the works to put uh, a moon base on that other side of the moon so that we can see clearer and further into the universe. Well, then, if ETs around, they will have to put a stop to it right away. Stop this practice. We can't have those silly earthlings coming to the moon and messing up our wild parties. Absolutely. They're, they're not socially distant anyways. Well, there is that, but they do wear masks, I understand. Unless they appear in 1950s Republic movie serials that costs, you know, like $20 an episode called Radar Men from the Moon. I don't know if Chris Rudkowski ever saw some of those old movies. But... <laughs> I catch them occasionally on the, the channels overnight, and some of them are, are a lot of fun. We've got Chris Rudkowski and Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. 
The Biden administration continues to look for more space to house an increasing number of migrants illegally crossing the southern border. Immigration and Customs Enforcement will take over several hotels in the Chandler, Arizona area to hold migrant families for processing. Congressman Brad Wenstrup recently visited the southern border, and the Ohio Republican tells Fox News that the conditions at the border are benefiting the cartels. So the situation is inhumane. You know, they mentioned just briefly health and human services policy. Well, guess what? That policy is not the policy of the cartels. And so you have women and children that are being trafficked, and the cartels and smugglers don't, don't follow the rules, and they are the ones that are benefiting from this. The policies that have put in, been put in place, we learned, are clearly benefiting the cartels because not only are they making money by bringing people across they're also making money because more of their drugs and weapons and things like that that they smuggle this is usa radio news president biden's so-called border czar roberta jacobson says she's stepping down at the end of the month usa radio network's wendy king reports she told the new york times her position as border coordinator was temporary and was always planned to last only three months Jacobson's departure comes amid a spike in immigration at the southwest border that has strained federal officials who are trying to deal with unaccompanied minors. The number of migrants stopped at the southwest border in March rose to the highest monthly level in more than 20 years. That includes some 18,000 unaccompanied minors, more than twice the figure seen in February. 18,000 unaccompanied minors more than twice the figure seen in February. The Pentagon has already granted approval for the Department of Health and Human Services to house unaccompanied minors at Joint Base San Antonio and at a temporary housing facility at Fort Bliss near El Paso, Texas. From the USA Radio News Pacific Northwest. Is your child defiant, independent, annoyingly inquisitive? After a long, hard day of following the rules, who wants to deal with troublesome kids? 49% of children suffer from Oppositional Defiant Disorder, or ODD. Symptoms of ODD include independent thought, rampant creativity, and failure to submit to authority. But now there's a solution. The good people at Pilfer can help you with their time-release, once-daily capsule, Compliacin. Your child won't be able to form his own opinions, let alone express them. It maintains your child's ability to go to a state-run school and perform simple tasks around the house. You won't have to worry about parenting, and the school won't have to deal with your kid asking questions. Compliacin. You'll go from this. Quit telling me what to do! Quit telling me what to do! Quit telling me what to do! To this. Good morning, Mother. I love going to school. And this week we're learning all about how the government is our federal family and they're here to help us. Compliacin. Talk to your school psychiatrist and ask for it by name. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. You know, speaking of one of those early movie serials, one of the earliest roles from Leonard Nimoy where he learned how to play an alien, was in Zombies of the Stratosphere. And he's been typecast. That's what happened. That's it. Live long and prosper. Let's get to some more current stuff about our corner of the world. And I'll preface this by actually a newsletter I wrote that I'm sure Chris didn't read, but that's okay. I'll forgive him. And it was about recent positive statements from government officials about... UAPs, UFOs. Now, one of them came from John Lee Radcliffe, former DNI, former congressman and uh, director of national intelligence in the U.S., about 
obviously about this Pentagon UAP task force and expectations and something interesting is going on. He was quoted quite credibly. Problem, of course, with Radcliffe is that he is tainted politically because he made some statements during the last administration when he was DNI about the Chinese being involved, key players in interference in the 2020 presidential elections. Only his intelligence people said, no, it was Russia and Iran. So, you know, he kind of got himself mixed up in politics. And the question would be, therefore, why listen to him about UAPs if his other statements aren't quite so honest to come by? But we have other candidates and I'm going to ask you about this, how much you watch the statements by politicos or people who've worked in government in the U.S. that are positive, like directors of the CIA. Now, you think if a director of the CIA says something that they're, we should investigate UFOs, something positive, that's important, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, and I think um, when you have people in positions like that, who certainly have access to more information than we do, and they suggest that there's something worth looking into in terms of UFOs, you tend to have to pay attention to that. Now, the trouble is that we don't know the context that they're giving this information. Um, and, um, you know, it's it, uh, when you're looking at post-structuralism uh, and post-modernism, it's, it's all who's doing the talking, what's the motivation, why are they saying it, uh, and what's behind it all. And we don't really know what's behind it all. We do know that there's a lot of interest in one, for one reason or another in objects that are uh, buzzing or flying around certain military installations and certainly Navy vessels. Uh, in fact, just over the past little while, uh, we've seen some uh, uh, photos and videos being posted about uh, uh, a number of approaches of UFOs to Navy vessels off the coast of California. And, uh, you know, they come to, seem to come from uh, good sources. Uh, they were formally classified from what we know. Uh, they're attested to by a number of officials. Uh, but we don't know the context. Um, I mean, things can be uh, released as formerly secret, and the, the photographs are verified that they're actual real photographs. Um, but we don't know exactly what the context is because we don't have access to the entire batch of information that's necessary to properly evaluate. Now, uh, and some of the stories are really um, a little tenuous. I mean, when Marco Rubio said that uh, uh, he knows that some of these ships are able to uh, break uh, the sound barrier without uh, causing sonic booms and, and things like that. Well, that comes from hearsay. That doesn't actually come from documentation. So where is he getting his information from? And where is that person getting the information from? So there's a, a lot of questions that this information and these claims give rise to. And without the context, without all the information, they're really just second and third hand stories. So uh, I think most people would really like to believe that this stuff is true, um, and people might have a lot of time and effort invested in the possibility that these things are true. 
But without any serious uh, quantitative evidence, uh, we really can't evaluate them. It's, it, it sort of makes you shrug your shoulders and say it could be just one of those things. All right. With Senator Rubio, a Florida Republican, we can maybe look at political aspects to what he's saying, but where is the political demand to say something positive about UFOs? I don't think there are enough people in favor of UFOs in the United States for that to make a difference. I could see him making that statement because maybe it has some benefit. Maybe it helps his next campaign. I don't know. So there is that. And he, of course, was the acting head of the Senate Intelligence Committee when that provision was included in the defense authorization back in late 2020, where the UAP task force had to come up with a report in six months. But I'm looking at the statements, for example, from John Brennan, former head of CIA, R. James Woolsey Jr., also former head of the CIA. And their administrations are like 20 years apart. But it all starts, as far as we look at, with the first head of the CIA, Roscoe Hillencotter, also who's an Annapolis classmate of Major Donald Kehoe, and he was one of the original board members of NICAP talking favorably about UFOs. So we have three generations of CIA directors speaking positively and forgetting the context of any individual sighting. That's got to say a lot, don't you think, Chris? Yeah, and and again, you know, it, it's very interesting that we get these types of uh, claims all the time. But remember that uh, Blue Book itself, which we know was a um, kind of a whitewash job, but the the conclusion was that there's really nothing there, uh, nothing to see here, folks, uh, no, nothing of scientific importance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and uh, everything was closed down, and it, the uh, information on UFOs in terms of uh, the military. Uh, has a largely a black hole up until fairly recently with the release of the, the Navy videos, for example. So one would say, okay, what's going on here? What's the political motivation? And I like your point, uh, Gene, about, you know, there couldn't possibly be any, you know, political need to talk about UFOs right now. I'd have to agree to a certain extent because, you know, there's so much else going on between um, COVID and uh, infrastructure and, uh, you know, the, the budget and so forth. There, there's so much more that's more important. But at the same time, there's the, uh, the right-wing uh, conspiracy movement that's demanding more. And uh, there was a statement uh, just a few days ago on, on one of the networks that um, half of the voting Republicans currently um, believe that... Uh, um, there is some sort of conspiracy involving uh, or in, into the politics right now of one party versus another uh, and a rejection of the current status. Uh, that's a lot of people that uh, are you know, voting members of the public. Where specifically that group does not believe that Joseph R. Biden Jr. is the lawfully elected president of the United States, half the yeah. Republican Party. Now, I know some of you rag on the Paracast because they perceive that we're beginning to get political. This is not a political statement. It's a statement of fact. It's based on the polling. You can decide whether you agree with the people who have that view, and I'm sure some of you do, or you disagree and you think you're dead wrong. 
But that's not the situation. The situation is painting a picture of the condition of this country, which is also something we have to consider when we evaluate UFOs and other issues. Think about that. Now, now on the other hand, whether they liked it or not, most Democrats did accept the fact that Donald Trump was elected president in 2016. So that's the comparison. I don't know what to tell you, except that we've got more to come with Gene, Chris, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 800-296-1252. 
Tehibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. That's Shop, S-H-O-P, Super, S-U-P-E-R-T-T-E-A dot com. So the complete website is ShopSuperTea.com or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5 California time. That's ShopSuperTea.com at 818-984-6100. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. I think the point here is that, Chris Rutkowski, we have a situation here where in the U.S. we have tens of millions of people living in polar opposite realities. It's like the multiverse in the DC Comics universe. Hey, I like that. That's good. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. People's worldviews. I mean, I think if we could actually... Even the people that we tend to think think more or less the way that we do, I think if we could actually be inside of their mind for even 10 minutes, we would realize just how different their worldview is from our own. Yeah, and, and I've spoken to a number of uh, hardcore UFO fans and zealots over the past little while who have very, very strong political views that are at odds with um, a, a lot of other views um, and, uh, and yet they're really ardent about the whole UFO thing. So, you know, how much is, does that play into belief? Um, interestingly, when I was doing my undergraduate work in astronomy, I did a minor in psychology, and uh, I actually uh, uh, was allowed to do uh, an experiment on belief in UFOs. And what Don't we do did, tell us more about and, this. And, and what we did was, I, I worked with the head of the psychology department, and we got a, a sort of a, did a general survey of, uh, I forget how many people, you know, several hundred people, five, six, seven hundred people, um, of general beliefs uh, in strange things. Um, things like, you know, uh, that the government is hiding UFOs, that uh, Bigfoot exists, that uh, the Loch Ness, Loch Ness Monster is real, but also interspersed it with things about you know the you know the, the that uh, the current um, uh, government of the uh, and in Canada in the, of the province um, is incompetent that uh, food prices are controlled and regulated uh, by a conglomerate uh, you know all that sort of stuff and and I think there was something like 50 questions and we threw out all except uh, the UFO ones and a few other ones for that we kept in our back pocket and so people either had to agree strongly that UFOs were real or disagree strongly that UFOs were real, divided them into two groups, and showed them a, a newscast that we prepared ourselves. It wasn't a real newscast, but it had actual newscasters uh, who were on TV uh, saying things like, you know, this UFO video that you're about to see has been verified by the government and definitely shows uh, uh, an extraterrestrial craft. 
And then the alternate one was to say, you know, this UFO video uh, that was proposed to be uh, an extraterrestrial craft is actually just a hoax and nothing to see here, folks. And we wanted to see if we could change the beliefs of the people who strongly believed in UFOs after they had this authoritarian view, say there's nothing to it, or the people who were so uh, skeptical and debunking about UFOs that if they saw an authoritarian uh, statement from a respected person saying that UFOs were real, could we change their belief? And it turns out that people's belief in UFOs is immutable. If you believe strongly in UFOs, it does not matter what I tell you, what proof I I give you that there's nothing to it, you're going to believe it. And if you are an ardent disbeliever, nothing I tell you can prove <laughs> and change your mind. Okay, and, you know, I'm glad that this isn't one of those studies that cost taxpayers $200 million, you know, to, <laughs> to, because I think we probably could have come to that conclusion well, uh, but the, without the, the study. I mean, it's but fascinating, it, but, it, you know. But, to, yeah, but it, the thing is, it was to empirically show it, that what was really yeah. interesting. You know, oh, we yeah. could have thought you know a few people, but virtually nobody would change their minds. Well, you see, I think that's true about a lot of things. I mean, I talk to people in my travels because I am one of those people who still, although I'm vaccinated, I wear the mask, as the CDC says in the U.S., and I social distance. And I talk to people who don't. And so I ran into one person who says that the vaccine is responsible for all the COVID-19 deaths. It's because they took the vaccine, even though most of those deaths occurred before the vaccine was actually developed. And then I have another one saying, well, vaccines kill your immune system, which is, of course, the opposite of what they're supposed to do. The thing here is they are completely wedded to those beliefs. They live in that world with those beliefs. And I wondered in terms of UFOs, people are cemented with their reality, just like I'm sure Constance was last week in our discussions with her. Are there any political breakdowns of people who believe in UFOs? Are they liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, etc.? Oh, that's a good question. I vaguely recall a Roper poll not a Gallup poll, a Roper poll from years ago now. You're going to rope uh, us in. <laughs> that were the, and I was, again, a throwaway question. You know, uh, what was your political leanings or something like that? And then they asked about UFOs and ghosts and, and witches and all that sort of stuff. And I don't remember what the breakdown was now. Um, but it has been asked, the question has been asked in some polls from time to time. Um, but I, I don't recall. Uh, I don't recall the results. I do recall, though, that there was. Uh, there's been more than one of these studies, and you, maybe both you guys, maybe I'm off on this, and correct me if I'm wrong here. But uh, whenever they've done these studies and and uh, looked at the education of the people involved, it's turned out that those who are favorable toward the toward the idea of alien visitation tend to have higher educations. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Though that's been done. Yeah. I'm, I was thinking specifically about a, a political leaning, but uh, yeah, the connection, um, you know, between education and then I know they've done some gender differences uh, studies and uh, demographics as to where uh, geographic distribution, that type of thing. The polls are actually quite interesting, and it, we're probably due for another one. In fact, Gallup sometimes sneaks these things in uh, unexpectedly. Got one. 
All right, here we go. Apparently here, and this was just a brief survey. This is the public policy polling survey. Roughly 21% of Americans believe aliens crashed at Roswell. But a sanity gap emerges when you take into account party affiliation. So this is back in 2013. 27% of Mitt Romney voters believe in the UFO cover-up. That's Republican. Versus 16% of voters who backed President Obama in 2012. That, of course, the Democrat. Now, in the same poll, 13% of respondents believe that Obama is the Antichrist. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, well, Clinton, I mean, she was really kind of into the whole UFO thing. And I wonder how many people would have believed uh, in UFOs who would have voted for her. Maybe a higher percentage there because it was a fairly public, uh, it was pretty much public knowledge, I think. Well, there are a lot of people in in the UFO community who figured that uh, uh, Clinton was going to reveal all uh, when she became president and... uh, and uh, that, that even that she was going to uh, come out with a statement, even, uh, you know, even just to sway voters to try and uh, get people to vote for her. So uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, almost all presidents uh, in, in their analyses were, uh, you know, predicted to you know, blow the whistle on the whole UFO thing. In fact, you would think that someone who was failing in the polls and and possibly losing an election, if they really knew uh, the truth about UFOs, they would pull it out as a wild card and uh, reveal all, and uh, that would certainly get more votes. So uh, if that hasn't happened, then maybe there's nothing to show. Well, in the case of Clinton and Trump, through most of the campaign, she was ahead in the polls. Yeah. And I don't know that her statement that UFOs should be taken seriously and correcting the all-night talk show host saying, remember, it's UAP, not UFO anymore. Yeah. That, that of course, was the influence of John Podesta, I suspect. Regardless, I don't think it made a difference. Number one, of course, because nobody asked Trump, hey, what do you think about Clinton talking about UFOs? And you'd think he'd say, well, crooked Hillary is a nut, and she falls (laughs) over, and she's, you know, you'd think he'd say something provocative, but they never asked the question, and he's rarely been asked about UFOs. And strangely enough, when he is, his response was relatively straightforward, which yeah, to me surprises me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see because um, uh, Kamala uh, is, of course, on the Senate Intelligence Committee, too, or was before she became vice president. And... Uh, uh, in theory, she should have access to the report uh, in June, too. Well, you see, I have this theory, too, I voiced here, and you can say something in our next segment, which is there have been suggestions already, I think, from Senator Rubio that the report might be delayed. But what are you going to do if it's late? There's no consequence. More to come with Christine and Randall. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, 
I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers, simply because that's what Longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You see, that's the big thing about Chris Rutkowski. This report may come in June. Or it may be, hey, we need more time. But if they don't release the report, what do you do? Withhold the budget from them? Yeah, exactly. And let's say the report does come out on time. I mean, there's an out buried in the report that uh, there, you know, it may actually not contain details of cases if those particular cases are threat to national security. And even if the report does come out, what remains unclassified uh, may not be that interesting at all. Although I remember having a conversation with Paul Dean about this. Paul had a very good point that even if uh, we don't have the actual cases, even if there's something like a statement to the effect of, you know, in June of 2017, there were 43 UAPs reported by Navy personnel. That in itself is actually quite interesting, uh, if it was actually contained in the intelligence report. And we have breakdowns for other months throughout the years. So it's very possible that the report, even if it's relatively censored and, and redacted, might have some interesting information in it. Of course here, though, you know, the other thing, and this goes back to our previous segment there, when you were saying, well, you know, the military is constantly said there's really nothing to it. But but really, they haven't really been saying there's necessarily nothing to it. They've always said it doesn't represent a threat to national security. Mm -hmm. 
right? So it's not they're saying, well, then, no, they, it's not that there's nothing to investigate. It's that it's it's just not a threat. But then you start to look at, well, okay, there you've got these craft, whatever they are, that are approaching carrier groups and nuclear installations and various other military assets. And so you have to ask yourself, well, if that's the case, why aren't they a threat to national security? Well, and the one possible reason is because they know that they're not uh, unidentified craft, that what is being perceived and photographed and reported by Navy personnel are the so-called drones and, and all that sort of stuff. That's one interpretation. If that is, then that's a, you know, a, a pretty obvious one, and, and I don't think a lot of people would be very, very satisfied with that. But it does uh, underlie a few interesting things in that in the United States – and this is where the difference is between the United States and Canada. In the States, the UFO problem was looked at as a defense and a security issue. In Canada, the Department of National Defense handed off UFO investigations to the National Research Council of Canada, which was basically the Smithsonian Institution for Canada, as a science issue. So um, the Canadian government wasn't looking at UFOs as a defense problem, but as a scientific problem. Yeah, Transport Canada had something to do with it for a while as well there. It was actually after the National Research Council. But yeah, it, 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 it's a completely different viewpoint so that the Canadian Department of National Defense could say, yes, you know, it, we don't find it a security or defense issue at all because they had already given it to the National Research Council. Now, what happened is, of course, is that the National Research Council of Canada uh, handed it off as well, effectively, to Transport Canada. Um, and actually, you may be hearing about this in, in the coming weeks. I know that there's some journalists poking around uh, uh, in terms of uh, uh, service reports and then CADORS reports and things like that, reports of UFOs by pilots. Through Transport Canada, the issue becomes, well, what are the pilots seeing and why are pilots seeing UFOs? Of course, that's not a security issue either. It's not a scientific issue. It's a safety issue. Because imagine if pilots are reporting to see UFOs zip by their planes and they've got three or 400 passengers on board, that's an issue. Uh, you know, if there supposedly is nothing there and the radar says uh, there's nothing there and, there and yet there's an object outside the cockpit window, that's an issue too. Because does that mean that the radar is malfunctioning? And if radar is malfunctioning, that's a safety issue. So what could be is that uh, the shifting around of um, departmental uh, interest. Responsibility. Responsibility is shifted around in Canada. We can see it very clearly. Perhaps that's what's going on in the United States after Blue Book closed down, that nobody seemed to know what to do with it. So it's shifted responsibility through a number of departments. I mean, I would argue that if pilots are reporting UFOs, and we certainly have reports of pilots seeing UFOs off the coast of California in terms of military, but certainly more recently over the years, we've had reports from commercial jet pilots too. Clearly, that's a safety issue. If a pilot is imagining that there's a UFO there, that's a safety issue. If the radar is saying there's nothing there, but in fact, there's a UFO there, that's a safety issue. If if the radar says there is something there and you can't see anything, that's a safety issue. So I would say that, if anything, there's a lot more evidence to suggest that governments and military personnel should be investigating UFO reports even more because uh, the reports are not going away. Well, that's just logical, isn't it? I mean, you well, just that's why nobody's paying attention to it, because <laughs> it is logical. Yeah, because it is logical. Well, I mean, think about it. 
the military can try and tell us all they want that they're not interested. But let's face it, we've still got NORAD. And it is the job of theirs to track things that are going on in the air. And, of course, they liaise with other departments, including Space Command and the rest, to see what's going on all the way up and out past the moon. They've got the best tracking systems in the entire world, billions of dollars on ships and ground-based stations and satellites and everything else. If, If you think that they're not aware of what's going on and not interested in it when they spent all that money to make it their job. It makes zero sense. They have to know what's going on and somebody has to pay attention to it because what are they going to do when they're sitting there looking at their radar set or their tracking display, whatever it happens to be. And one of these things comes zipping in and they go, we've got one. Commander, what do I do? What are they going to say? Well, I don't know. We're, we, you know, it's not our job. There's a great story that came out of. I think I'm trying to remember whether it was uh, Goose Bay or, or somewhere in Newfoundland. And of course, the United States has had uh, bases in Canada um, for, for you know from the Second World War. And one of the bases, I think it was Goose Bay. And this is, goes back to about 19. 48, 1950, no, 1952, I think. Um, and there, it's in the diary of a, of a radar operator. And uh, he said very, in his document that uh, he was working on, there was two sides to the radar, to the base. There's a Canadian side and an American side, and they both had radar uh, systems. So the top brass, as he described it, were coming in to do an inspection. So they came to the uh, American side first, and as they were actually inspecting, the radar system started picking up uh, an object uh, on the screen that was zipping around and doing things that, that uh, aircraft shouldn't be doing. And uh, they had no idea what, what the heck it was. And, of course, they were very embarrassed, and the top brass were very, very upset that uh, you know the, the radar operators had no idea what was going on, what's going on with it. They went to the Canadian side, and the Canadian radar was also picking it up, uh, suggesting that there really was something going on. And it was a very embarrassing incident, and there was a report that had to be filed regarding it. And I think that actually made it into, um, not Blue Book, but uh, one, of the, uh, one of the other intelligence uh, uh, reports uh, regarding what was going on at some of the military bases. So these things have been reported and re- recorded for many, many years, and... Uh, you know, either the radar equipment was malfunctioning, which causes concern, or there was something actually there, and we had no idea what was going on, which also causes concern. Indeed. So, you know, either way, we've got a situation that needs some further investigation. Absolutely. Going back to the previous segment as well, I mean, what about guys like Paul Hellyer? And now we've got the uh, director, uh, former director of space programs for the Israeli Defense Ministry, and they're talking about things like alien life forms representing the Galactic Federation, and then President Donald Trump knows about it. And I mean, how seriously do we take these guys? Or are they just reading other people's books like Corey Good or whatever and, and saying that, that that's what they believe? Before we have the answer, we got more with Chris, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast.
Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine. For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back, or shoulder. And the best relief for that pain is a Sunny Bay heating pad. Did you know that the American College of Physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy? Sunny Bay heating pads are handmade with high quality, can be used at home or at work, and have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Why take another pill? Many people use our Sunny Bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain. Long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its on your body. Our homegrown small business tries to help people just like us. That's why we design and test our handmade products with great care before we introduce them to the public. You can easily find Sunny Bay heating pads on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com and search for Sunny Bay heating pads. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with longevity. Teamgaday.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? 
It only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech Carbine Upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. So what about this Galactic Federation, Chris Rutkowski? Yeah, Yeah, what about it? Well, what about it? Well, are are they just Star Trek fans? (laughs) Well, I think that's the case with Paul Hellyer, of course. I mean, people are saying, you know, he, he knows what's going on because he was Minister of Defense, but he was Minister of Defense almost 55 years ago, and he long since lost his security clearance. So he really probably doesn't have any contact about what's really being reported. Um, and uh, I actually have a copy of one of his books. Uh, people most probably have his, his uh, Money Mafia book, but there's one that he wrote about his, his memoirs of spending time up at, the, uh, at his cottage in Muskoka. He and his buddies saw a UFO pass overhead, and in his memoirs, he made it very clear that the suggestion was that it was simply Jack Daniel speaking. Ah, so, yes, some people knew him well, but not me. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, and it, where he makes these claims about seventy-six varieties of aliens, and the story about the nuns, uh, the aliens dressed as nuns walking around Las Vegas, that actually comes from a contactee book that he obviously had read, um, and they actually weren't aliens dressed as nuns; the aliens were dressed as nurses. Um, so they weren't dressed we like Michael Rennie in a silvery suit. Yeah. Saying Klaatu yeah. Baradonikto. Yeah. What about this Hayam Ashed uh, character then? I mean, what do we I mean, do we even know what his sources are? I've tried to find, but nobody seems to know. It was just this story that came out. Well, they're interesting stories. That's the problem. And without any documentation, uh, it's hard to know what to do with uh, with a lot of this stuff. So that's why I tend to focus specifically on the case reports themselves, what can be documented, the the physical evidence, um, you know, uh, intelligence reports, that type of thing, because that's stuff that we can we can actually look at and follow back to their sources. All these claims uh, that have been floating around, and uh, most UFO conferences are, are chock full of people who, you know, claim to be to have inside information and tuning into the consciousness and the Galactic Federation is, <laughs> is telling us to, mm-hmm. to shape up. I mean, it's all contactee stuff from the 1950s. In fact, the 1950s contactees, I think, did it a little bit better and in style. And seriously, you can actually match the, the wording uh, almost exact between some of the 1950s contactees and what some contactees are, are talking about right now. Isn't it well, interesting I- here that you could... Repeat a hoax or something completely disproven from the 50s in the UFO field or the 60s or whatever in the 21st century, and people don't know. Because, you know, the problem being that those who exposed these hoaxes didn't have the circulations or reach of the people who perpetuated them. I mean, like I was mentioning, of course, George Adamski and Jim Mosley's special Adamski expose issue. Now, at the time he published it in 1957, maybe he had a thousand or two readers. At most. I mean at most. Now, we have a website, jimmosley.com, where we post that stuff. I bet we've reached far more people than he ever did, but still most don't know about it. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And what I was talking about, uh, looking at the, you know, the actual reports and facts and stuff like that, uh, let me read you something. This comes from the Canadian government, very, very recently published, 16th of July, 2020. It has a discussion of something called pilot reports. And this is a, a sort of a manual for all pilots, commercial and military, in Canada. And it says very simply, pilots are requested to make the following reports in the interest of national security, meteorite research, and forest fire and pollution control. And the heading is called service reports, communication instructions for reporting vital intelligence sightings. These reports should be made immediately upon a vital intelligence sighting of any airborne and ground objects or activities that appear to be hostile, suspicious, unidentified, or engaged in possible illegal smuggling activity. This sounds very, very important. Just imagine how important these things would be. And then it lists examples. Examples of events requiring service reports are, colon, the first item listed unidentified flying objects. Yeah, and we know that. We know that that's been part of it all along. And then yet they still say, well, no, you know, it's not really of any interest to us. So we're getting mixed messages here. I'm looking at an article here from Sputnik. This is back from 2019. Nothing more to hide. Thousands of government UFO papers, sightings, photos to be made public in Canada. And it talks about uh, your donation to the library, where they were at that time in the process of digitizing uh, thousands of pages of information. How is that coming along, Chris? Well, funny you should ask. We actually have news, we're breaking news, that the crowdfunding goal for that was $25,000. Today, we broke 28000 Awesome. It is amazing the response that people are affording in terms of donating to this fund. Um, and it's, uh, I'm greatly appreciative uh, to everyone who's donating. And I actually spoke with the um, head archivist today. And uh, they are, you know, unfortunately, COVID had to shut down the archives because of, uh, you, you couldn't get in and do anything. And the staff was laid off. Just an aside on that here, <laughs> they closed down all the libraries, and I was doing some research on libraries and um, transmission of COVID-19, and there is a report from, there's a, an international library association, apparently, about libraries and the spread of COVID-19, and there has been zero evidence here in Calgary that anyone from the library or any library has in any way been responsible for the transmission of COVID-19 or spreading the disease. And the same from several other countries, and yet, here we go, shutting them down. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. But, I mean, the, the prospect for them starting to get back to the digitizing is very good. And among the cases, and then this sort of, sort of leads from my uh, reading out the surveys on, uh, where is it now? Uh, November 22nd, 2016, a Porter Airlines de Havilland from Ottawa to Toronto reported flying by an unidentified object, not likely a balloon, 
according, this is from reading from Transport Canada. Uh, it was conducting uh, the flight. Uh, it was uh, uh, on descent while passing through 8,300 feet, approximately 29 nautical miles east on the initial approach to Toronto. The flight crew noticed an object directly ahead on their flight path. The object appeared to be solid, approximately 5 to 8 feet in diameter, and shaped like an upright donut. There appeared to be no relative movement, and the object was rapidly getting closer to the aircraft. The captain overrode the autopilot in order to quickly descend the aircraft under the object. The object passed slightly to the right and above the aircraft. There was no impact. Both cabin crew members were in the process of securing the cabin for arrival and were not seated. They received minor injuries when they were thrown into the cabin structure. The aircraft subsequently landed without further incident. We've got more to this come with is, Chris, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. Michigan is facing the worst current COVID outbreak in the country, adding nearly 7,000 new cases on Saturday in a dramatic rise from just one month ago when new cases were averaging around 1,000 per day. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmore has asked the federal government for more vaccines but is getting more people to administer the shots as well as more testing capacity and treatment resources. Dr. Peter Hotez is the Dean of Tropical Medicine at the Baylor College of Medicine, and he tells CNN that with the B117 variant of the virus quickly spreading, the Biden administration may be holding back some resources it may need to allocate elsewhere if another hotspot flares up. So the question is, is Michigan just the tip of the spear and, and other states are going to follow? And I think that's that's why the Biden administration may be hesitant about uh, throwing everything now, now at Michigan because of the concern is then it'll just have to backpedal and, and go to the other states. You're listening to USA Radio News. A comment on a controversial topic from Joe Biden's past may come back to haunt him. Mike Fortier has the details. President Biden announcing Friday plans to form a committee to study Supreme Court reforms, including court packing. But in 1983, then-Senator Biden strongly criticized court packing. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. But it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. Biden's criticism of court packing was also evident in 2005. He wanted to increase the number of justices to 15 aligning himself to nominate those additional judges. 
took an act of courage on the part of his own party institutionally to stand up against this power grab. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the number of justices is just one aspect of reform the commission will look at. The Constitution doesn't say how many judges the court should have, but there have been nine since 1869. From the USA Radio News Florida Bureau, I'm Mike Fortier. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veterans nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Chris, Here we, have, we had to stop in the middle of that case so you can pick up where you left off. Sure. This was actually a, a recorded incident which caused injury to cabin crew on a commercial aircraft when uh, a UFO was almost flown into. And uh, we have the documentation. This was well documented. And this reminds me of, of some photos and videos that are being tossed around right now from uh, the U.S. Navy uh, down in the States. And uh, they don't have any supporting documentation Uh, All we have are the images uh, that aren't very convincing at all. And yet here we have full documentation of something that was, uh, in the words of the investigating, the Transport Canada official, not a balloon shaped like an upright donut that was right on the path of this descending aircraft, had to take evasive maneuvers, and almost caused a lot of injury. Did you say it in 2016? Yeah, November 22nd, 2016. And I'm just checking here. The time was 7.20 in the morning. So this is already uh, daylight. And so they could see it well enough to determine that it wasn't a balloon. Well, if it wasn't a balloon, I'm not really aware of any other craft that would be shaped like that. No, so then what are we supposed to make of that? That exactly. all of these people were just hallucinating? Okay, this goes back to the first part, too, of our, our first segment. When, you, when you're saying, okay, well, we don't have any scientifically valid material evidence. Well, wait a minute. Why isn't that good enough? You know, and, and not only why isn't that good enough, why aren't hundreds of other cases that are just like it not good enough? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this this is documentation. Here's a 2019, uh, also in November. 
a uh, Boeing 747 on a flight from uh, JFK to Anchorage reported an object flying sporadically, estimated at uh, 60,000 feet, and moving at Mach 4. Details were passed to NORAD. We have this documentation. This is an actual UFO report on record through the Canadian government. Okay. Well, I mean, in that case, you know, moving at Mach 4... Not a lot moves at Mach 4. Well, nothing civilian except for maybe SpaceX, but, you know, unless it's doing some kind of maneuver, though, that is just way out of the ordinary. I mean, we, we still can't write off terrestrial technology for that, can we? No, but the point is, I think, this sort of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. I mean, the, if this is what's being seen and experienced by pilots and being formally reported, because they're bound to do it because of the uh, Transport Canada and the Canadian government's regulations, um, what else is going on that we're not aware of? Well, and why do we yeah. hear about these cases in Canada and not in the United States. Well, that's a really good point. And that's, you know, the, how that article that I had uh, referred to earlier started out. You know, nothing left to hide. Are we really sure there's nothing left to hide? I think there's probably a lot that's still out there that, that we haven't seen. And we'll probably, well, you know, I don't like to say this, but we'll never see it. Oh, you remember Philip Klass's uh, curse, remember? <laughs> Tell our listeners the curse uh, of Philip, Philip Glass. <laughs> Excuse me, let me make a sound. Okay. <laughs> he he cursed ufology before he passed away by saying that you will never get to the truth or find out the truth about UFOs. That's because life. he's fighting us from the afterlife. He is. It's it's uh, he's he's reaching. It's, it's proof actually of the afterlife. Because it's still going on. <laughs> that is great. Well, okay. So though now those weren't part of the 2020 Canadian UFO survey, though, were they? These cases that you just brought up, they or were they? Or do you take into account historical um, events prior to the year that you're doing the survey, or? Actually, no. In fact, that's, a, that's an outstanding issue that we're working on, um, that uh, cases that uh, come to our attention after the current year are not part of the Canadian UFO survey. Um, and that's actually caused issues because the classic uh, case up in the Yukon, for example, um, was not Box actually Lake. part of the, of the UFO survey where that giant mile-wide thing was hovering uh, down the, uh, the, uh, the, the valley. Um, back in, oh, well, what year was that now? Are you uh, talking about Fox Lake? Fox Lake, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, that was actually not part of the Canadian UFO survey because it was not actually reported until years after the fact. So uh, we have that issue, but we're going back historically, and uh, myself and a few others are going back historically uh, to, to fill in the gaps and also look beyond uh, earlier than 1989. Of course, the Canadian UFO survey didn't begin until 1989. We're looking at what um, was reported in Canada before 1989 uh, to try and get a better idea of what uh, the UFO phenomenon really looked like uh, in terms of the years after 1947. So we're starting to fill that in. Uh, we're a few years away from um, getting data on that 
uh, ready for publication, but uh, there are thousands of cases that have to be added into a separate database earlier than 1989. As it is, the Canadian UFO Survey now has more than 22,000 reports in the d database just from 1989 to 2020, um, which is far more than Blue Book ever had, of course. And uh, that's a substantial number that we can actually get some good results in terms of analyses on. Yeah, once all of these uh, are digitized and everything else, I mean, th this is just such a fabulous project that you've got on the go there. Yeah, I mean, in 2020 alone, uh, there were 1,243 UFO sightings reported in Canada. And that's actually an increase of 46% over the year before. And there have been some media um, stories about this that... Uh, uh, where I speculated that you know it has something to do with the pandemic, certainly because uh, it, you know 2020 was unique in a, a lot of ways, um, and the increase was certainly very very obvious throughout the entire year, suggesting maybe that people were spending more time outside uh, rather than inside venues where they they couldn't have a good view of the sky. Uh, maybe they're spending more time um, at cabins, uh, camping, uh, even in their backyard. Um, so that you know more things are being reported, so that that have might have something to do with it. Um, although it's not just the pandemic that gave rise to this, of course, because um, the increase in UFO reports, if you look at the data, started in January, February, March before lockdowns really became a thing. And uh, in fact, during those months, there were. You know, 20, 30, 40% more UFO reports during the same time period in 2019. So something was clearly going on uh, much before the pandemic started, but the pandemic certainly exacerbated it. Uh, well, they've, why they've that, had, that is so, we don't know. They've had a lot of uh, reports come in from these Starlink satellites that had gone up from SpaceX. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, one other interesting thing from the Canadian survey for uh, 2020 uh, is that 26% had definite explanations, and that's actually much higher than usual. Uh, in fact, I don't remember having you know, more than 25% explained since back in the uh, 90s. Um, and that certainly is because that a lot of cases were coming in of people reporting Starlink and uh, thinking that they were some sort of invasion craft. And I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. We were getting reports... Uh, and people in MUFON were reporting this, and, and uh, Peter Davenport, and to us too, that they're convinced that it was a, a flotilla of UFO craft that was flying over their, their heads, clearly an invading force. We got more to come. Chris, Gene, Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com.
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware, not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients, American-made, with American ingredients, employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast the gold standard of paranormal radio.
Now, for those who say Starlink, what's that? That's Elon Musk's company. Designed to set up a network of relatively low-orbit satellites, correct me if I'm wrong, that will blanket the world with Internet access, with an emphasis in rural areas, because right now, in the U.S. especially, like a third of the country doesn't have adequate broadband. So they're in the beta stage. I mean, literally speaking, you could buy Starlink today, but they send up like 60 satellites at a clip, and supposedly this was causing havoc for astronomers being misidentified as UFOs and everything. I understand, Chris Rudkowski, they've made a change in more recent satellites so they don't gum up the works. Am I wrong? Um, well, they've done a few things. They've actually started um, orienting the different, uh, or orienting the satellites a little bit differently. Um, they're trying to experiment in uh, different orbital dynamics. Uh, they are messing up some uh, exposures of the night sky from some deep sky observers. There's no question of that, that some astronomy photographs are going to be affected. Um, uh, but it is interesting that the, the end goal, and you mentioned that, that it's in beta stage, I actually know a few people who already have uh, Starlink as uh, their internet provider. It's a little expensive right now because it's in beta, but their bandwidth and their download and, and upload speeds are tremendous. And uh, you mentioned the United States. Uh, well, in Canada, it's even more a problem because of uh, the remoteness of communities. Uh, but there are a number of First Nations communities um, and northern communities that are already uh, uh, tuned in and turned on to the Starlink systems right now. And they have Internet access for the very first time. And in many cases, they have better Internet access than anyone in New York or Chicago. Right now, the basic offer is four ninety nine for the dish or interface, which is actually less than they pay. I think they pay quite a bit more. And $99 a month U.S. for the service. If you go to Starlink.com, we're giving them a free ad to do it. Now, the service can vary because it's still beta, but you can get up to 200 or 300 megabits download and, what, 10, 20, 30 upload. Pretty decent speeds. But again, it's beta, so you may lose service for a time. The goal is to put up to like 12,000 satellites, but for that they have to get permission from the U.S. government and their politics there. Like Dish Network doesn't want them to do it. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of issues here. But uh, in terms of the, the uh, long game, I mean, to have Internet service literally anywhere around the world, um, that's, uh, you know, that, that's certainly something. That's, I mean, we can't get cell service anywhere in the world. So to have Internet service throughout the entire world, it's a, it's a very interesting project. Yeah, especially in in light of surveillance capitalism. I mean, if we, <laughs> I mean, this takes Big Brother to a whole new level on the other side of the equation, right? I mean, it sounds wonderful, but we've literally we're literally going to have these satellites orbiting over our heads all the time, watching us. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I mean, it sounds great on one side of the, but. You know, it's, well, they don't have cameras on board, though. <laughs> so, or do they? Do we? Are we sure of that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> here's an, here's another one. I don't know if you know any more about this than anybody else, Chris, but um, you've probably heard of the breakthrough listen candidate one signal uh, that they detected from 
Proximus Centuri. Now, they're sort of assuming cautiously now that, oh, it's probably some kind of interference, and yet they haven't found any source of the interference yet. And all of their um, uh, procedures that they go through to try to rule that out have so far indicated that this signal did come from Proximus Centuri. What do you think about this? Well, what happens usually with these things, and I think the wow signal went through a period like this as well, where, you know, they, they ruled out as much as they can, and it turned out it was somebody's microwave or something like that that was that was setting it off. Um, I suspect that... Do you mean then, just excuse me, do you mean then that what happens in Proxima Centauri stays in Proxima Centauri? <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Well, this is, it, it's, it's still quite, you know, it's still quite fascinating to me because, you know, they're saying, well, it's probably interference, but I mean, have you heard anything more? I mean, they were supposed to be putting out a paper or something, but it's, a lot of it has just been surprisingly really, really quiet. Like they're just, you know, I, I don't know if, have you heard any more about it? Than I, that? I haven't heard, I haven't heard any more. I mean, there's a lot of crunching that has to be done and, um, from a scientific perspective, you know, you want to really, really make sure that that what you've got is something bona fide. I mean, we saw the the big kerfuffle over um, uh, over Avi Loeb and his his paper on uh, uh, on Oumuamua. Oumuamua. Yeah, uh, I mean, and and, it, and of course the the other set of uh, papers that came out after it that showed that well, maybe it really was a chunk of of asteroid or something. So. You have to be really careful, and it may take years for some of this stuff to come out. Um, it is interesting that it's Proxima Centauri, though, because, I mean, James Cameron, what are we, what, about two years away from seeing the next uh, movie from uh, from his series? Um, you mean, Proxima, of course, Avatar. Avatar, yeah, Avatar 2, 3, and 17, or whatever it is. Um, I lost course, track Proxima, about this because it's taken him 300 years to make this movie. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, so by that time, all the people who were in the original film will be in the senior citizen centers. Well, they'll they'll just be uploaded. Their minds will be uploaded, and they'll be avatars. And uh, I think Boston Robotics will will have uh, have uh, working copies of them anytime now. But you were saying, well, yeah. What's interesting is that Proxima Centauri uh, is, of course. Uh, where uh, Avatar takes place. Well, not Proxima Centauri, but um, the, what is it? The moon surrounding a planet surrounding uh, that's, that's in orbit around there. And, um, you know, as far as we know, it's actually very possible that such a planet might really exist. I mean, there's all sorts of issues around trying to get stable planetary orbits in a three-body system, but um, you know, it's very possible that, that something like the planet depicted in Avatar might exist, and that seems to be where the focus is for this particular project. It's yeah, not something that James that. Cameron is doing to get interest in the film. <laughs> well, that certainly doesn't help, or doesn't hurt. Well, you yeah, see, I that's Hollywood for you. No, I don't think this is Cameron's doing, <laughs> but it, it's the Yuri, it's Yuri Million, Milner, the the billionaires behind a lot of this. So, um, yeah, he had uh, dishes aimed at a muamua when it went by too to see if there was any signals from it. So, I find that this this kind of study is pretty interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, there's no question. It's very fascinating to 
to uh, to look at uh, these attempts to, to uh, search the heavens for some signal from another planet. Uh, although, personally, I think CD is more or less a waste of time because radio signals are very, very unlikely to be the way to detect uh, extraterrestrial civilizations. Subspace radio. Subspace Why radio. is that, Chris? Because, you know, when SETI was started, it was sort of, you know, it was, they thought that that would be the way that it was going to go. Far more likely that they'd be sending radio signals than probes or craft or anything else. So, well, the problem, of course, is that radio signals travel at the speed of light, and if there's a civilization as close as 50 light years away, um, you know, they may not even have heard of us yet. And, uh, you know, the two-way conversation could take centuries, and if they decide that uh, we're worth checking out, it, you know, depending on the, the physics involved in getting spaceships between the stars, we could be looking at uh, half a millennium before it's worth anything, when in fact, maybe there are shortcuts out there that need to be explored. Um, That's the point I like to make about this, too. If ET is out there farther advanced than we are, and they might be aware of a developing civilization, maybe they have been here, wouldn't they want to do the heavy lifting rather than wait for us? Or are they assuming that we do not deserve to be communicated with until we have the technology to have faster methods of two-way transmission. Therefore, that's why we never pick up anything. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of interesting questions here. And it even could be the dark forest scenario. Um, now, the author... Well, 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 well. Let's, forest- let's have that explained in our next segment with Gene, Chris, and Randall. You're in... The Paracast? for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. You hear the headlines. You know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the 
health insurance hotline today. Learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates. This is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates. So call right now to learn more. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. Call 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Chris Rutkowski, what scenario are we talking about? The Dark Forest, a science fiction book. Uh, it's actually part of a trilogy by the Chinese science fiction author whose name escapes me, but you're Googling it right now, so you're going to tell us. And it's an explanation as to why we haven't had contact with extraterrestrial civilizations right now. And the general summary is that there are aliens out there, uh, but they're hiding um, among the uh, the stars, uh, not making themselves known because um, basically there are threats involved, that we could be a, a threat to them or they to us. And if you make yourself known, you are in danger of attracting undue attention. So you hide in a dark forest amongst all the trees so that people know that you might exist but won't know exactly where you are. It's an interesting explanation as to why we just have the Fermi Paradox, which asks, where are they anyway? Um, that they're actually out there, but nobody really wants to take the first step in calling attention to themselves. Okay, but if they're coming here in their flying saucers, uh, once again, something. you have yeah. to wonder here, what are they doing and why are they playing cat and mouse? Why just be seen occasionally, allegedly interact or be seen at closer range? But most of the time, they're not in any way that we communicated with. Maybe we're not ready again, or they have, of course, the big conspiracy theory. But again, where it is now makes less sense than just hiding from us and waiting for us to be ready from 50 light years away. Yeah, and of course, that's the problem, that we're assuming that all the UFO reports really do represent uh, spacecraft that are buzzing around us. But as we've found from the Canadian UFO survey, very, very few cases are actually in that category, that the vast majority have explanations, there's insufficient information, uh, there are the occasional hoaxes sprinkled in there, you know, they have some of possible explanations. And if you boil down, I mean, you know, the 22,000 Canadian reports in the, in the database just from 32 years, I would be very surprised if there were a few dozen really, really good cases in there that are supported by enough evidence and enough documentation to make it worthwhile to, to look at it. All you need is one. A lot of spaceships could be running around but only a very few would be seen under the right circumstances to deliver a report that's compelling. Absolutely. And if you look at, uh, you know, we have 1,200 in, in Canada in one year. Uh, you, you multiply that by 10 in the United States. So let's say 15,000 in Canada and the United States in a single year. 
and the fraction you know goes down very much which one of all those cases if let's say there's the one that you're interested in which one of those cases is the one and that it's really hard to determine because there's so much other noise out there and cases that are demanding attention and perhaps others that are getting undue attention and maybe red herrings because uh, they're really not that interesting whatsoever, but somebody is, is trying to convince you that they are. So it's actually much more difficult to make any assumptions or understanding uh, what's going on based on the data that is being promulgated right now in ufology. It's a, a, a real well, serious well, problem. Uh, okay, but this is how I look at that problem, right? Everything you just said is absolutely true. When you're trying to sift out a single report that has all the information that would justify belief in alien visitation. However, it seems really reasonable to me that given the vast numbers of really good reports from really credible people, that they just shouldn't be believed or that what they saw was just some sort of misperception or misidentification or something else. And that therefore, even though we can't pick out the exact report that is going to substantiate or qualify to the skeptics as evidence, together, it's just not reasonable to think that nothing is going on because we have so many people that have had really incredible experiences. Well, no, we haven't, though. That's the point. Uh, we have people who are having experiences, but very, very few are incredible experiences. And finding those ones that are really incredible versus the ones that are just somewhat interesting or not interesting at all, but maybe to them, that's what the problem is. I mean, the, the problem of report numbers is very deceptive. I mean, you know, Blue Book had, you know, 15, 17, 20,000, something like that. We have 22 Peter Davenport has tens of thousands. MUFON is now finally getting uh, its thousands of cases uh, a little more accessible. And so you use the law of numbers, let's say 100,000 cases. So 100,000 people are seeing UFOs. So it must prove that there's something. No, no, that's not what I'm saying, Chris. I'm saying that out of that, even when you have that many reports, you're going to have still hundreds and hundreds of people. That they might represent a small percentage. Uh, sure, let's go back and look at, at, at Blue Book when they were doing their first evaluations. They had 26.94% that were seen visually from the air. Radar reports and radar visual included in their unknowns mm-hmm. that they had no explanation for whatsoever. That was right. then. How many hundreds more since then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and But we have to have that information. We have to have the data. Trying to find that data in and amongst all the other cases that are demanding our attention is actually very, very tricky. Uh, in fact, one criticism I get all the time is, Chris, why do you spend so much time on the insufficient infos and the possibles and, and all that sort of thing? Well, I'm not spending all that time on that. I'm sifting through all the cases that are reported looking for cases that are uh, of higher quality. And that's very, very laborious. And um, there's, there's not a lot, of, uh, a lot of people who are going through that process. There's a lot of people who are simply saying, here's a great photo of a UFO that I saw yesterday, and it was seen by me and my friend, and it you know, was seen by 
uh, seen for about five seconds, and it was red and purple, and it looked like a uh, like a triangle. Well, that's interesting, but it, it's not the type of case that is convincing enough to say we've got some serious data here that we can use to extrapolate and try and understand what the UFO phenomenon is. Yeah, there, there's this. What I'm okay. I completely agree with what you're saying. Okay, when yeah, it comes sorry to if data, I'm not understanding it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got we've got we've got the quest for data. Right, we're, the quest for that really good data that's backed up by, preferably, the best data would be some sort of scientifically valid material evidence. And then we've got the the other just sort of hearsay and stories. And well, they, we saw some vague light off in a distance, and and that was reported as a UFO, which has never been what the definition of a UFO is in the history of ufology, right? But just below that, before you get to that set of reports where they're backed by, say, radar, visual, and everything else, we have a lot of people in terms of just numbers, not percentages, but numbers, where they have seen a craft, in some cases during the daytime, with other people that is configured like your classic saucer or a triangle, behaving in ways that no known craft that we can make possibly can. And we've got like literally hundreds and hundreds of those. So what do we do? Take all of those and go say, well, they just don't have good enough data. Well, out of all of those, I think it's perfectly reasonable to say, okay, we don't have all of the data that you want, but it's still good enough evidence to say that it's there. It's real. It's not just people making it up and having misperceptions and hoaxes. Mm. And I think, and I agree with you. Uh, my only comment is the the actual number of cases like that are a lot smaller than than most people think. In fact, uh, a number of people, Isaac Coy and Paul Kimball and, and people like that, have have made lists of the best UFO cases on record. And um, I would say that I think Isaac Coy has a list of a hundred. We are going to have more numbers coming up with Chris Jean Randall. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If there's a sudden disaster and you can't get to the grocery store or they're all out of food, what would you do? You'll wish you had emergency food to get you through the crisis. And that's why we're here. We're MyPatriotSupply.com, America's leading source of emergency food. Our food lasts for up to 25 years, and millions of families trust us for their disaster survival. Won't you join us? 
Unlike other food companies, we don't skimp on calories. Our meals give you more than 2,000 calories per day. Why? Because that's what you need to survive any challenging crisis. And right now, you can save $200 on our popular three-month emergency food kit. Just go to MyPatriotSupply.com and place your order. We ship fast, two to three days max. And your food arrives discreetly right to your door. So order today and save $200 at MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-296-1252. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So here's where it goes here. You say Isaac has 100 cases. Really solid. Really good UFO cases. Paul Kimball is a pretty skeptical type. What does he have? He has he has an interesting list too, and there is some some spillover as well. But the thing is, if you take a hard look at those cases, you're hard pressed to get more than a than I don't know fifty or sixty that are pretty good, and that's over the course of of history, over the course of since 1947. So maybe so, it's one every couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a lot to sift through. Now, it's true, there's no question, those are the ones that we should be focusing on. Maybe there, there is enough information there. There certainly is enough information, enough cases now to suggest that UFOs are a scientific problem. And I've said this before. Uh, even if there's no physical phenomenon 
that the, the UFO issue. It's the very least, it's a sociological and a psychological issue. And in any of those cases, any of those three, it's worth studying by science. So I think there is enough, I agree with, with Rand, that there is enough uh, case data right now to warrant a, a better study of the UFO phenomenon. What this shows, Chris, also, if UFOs were spaceships, they would be lost amongst the fog. So they could do whatever they want that isn't too overt and travel around this planet and go about their business knowing, if they've watched our culture, that what they actually do would never be caught. Yeah, that's that's an interesting interpretation, too. In fact, there, I was just looking at a tweet today where I, I think it was uh, John Greenwald who posted about these new uh, photos and uh, the photo of the object that has been described as the Batman balloon uh, that, you know, there's no question it's a Batman balloon. But some people are saying, well, it's very possible that the aliens have disguised their ships <laughs> to look like a Batman balloon. They want Ben Affleck to stay on as Batman in the DC universe. That's the secret. Absolutely. We might as well give up now. Well, you're right, Chris. Actually, in a way, and, and this is why I think that the sightings from the Golden Age, they were really the best. It's a fair point. If we, we have the technology now ourselves to make it look like there's some kind of an alien craft out there that is pretty much almost any way that we want it to look, at least convincing enough to, for people to, to seriously report it and think it's some kind of an alien craft. So why do we bother? It's a fair question, really. But it's a Batman balloon. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And by the I mean, way, they're now asking whether Christian Bale will also... Return to the role of Batman for a Flash movie about the multiverse. I'll, I'm going to hold out for George Clooney. You can hold out for a long time. Yeah. So We've got Michael Keaton might do it. Ben <laughs> Affleck might do it. Christian Bale might do it. What's that other guy, Rob Pattinson? The guy who's doing it for the Batman movie. They may do it because someone's handing them a check. But George Clooney doesn't need the check. No. No, he doesn't. Okay, but getting serious again, I mean, you know, go, going back to you know, Stanton Friedman, which who we're all familiar with here, one of the things that he used to say in just about every lecture that he ever did is that he would ask uh, his audience, how many people have seen a UFO? And a, a lot of hands would go up, and then he'd, he'd say, well, how many people have reported it? And only a handful would go up. And so not only do we have all of the good reports that were reported, that suggests that there's a, a whole lot of others out there that were probably good that have never been reported. And then on top of that, there's all the other ones that the powers that be with all the detection equipment know about that we don't know about. And so when you put all of that together, it just seems completely unreasonable for me to think that there is nothing going on worthy of taking seriously in terms of alien visitation. And I'm going to say that, alien visitation. I think that is what's going on. Mind you, I've seen one myself, too. So, you know, 
maybe I'm a little biased, but I think that those points are fairly objective anyhow. I mean, the point being, however, though, before Chris responds, okay, if we have 100 good cases or 50 good cases, and all these people have not reported what they've seen, how many of them have seen anything that they can report with the proper detail to allow us to determine it's an unknown? Would it be another 50? Would it be another 100? Well, I guess even if we just take sort of typical percentages, let's say, let's take 10% of them would be worthy of taking seriously. How many people did Stanton Friedman lecture to over the years? You know, I'm just saying, when you really look at it from that point of view, we can go, okay, we don't have the, the scientifically valid material evidence, and yet it's just not reasonable to write it off because we don't have that when we've got all of this other stuff to consider. Well, when you have former heads of the CIA saying, take it seriously, forget everything else. They have access to things they cannot tell you. We'll see, Brandon, they can't tell you. And certainly we're not going to get a Ouija board and resurrect Killencotter and ask him what he knew. But the point is here, they've seen stuff that may be far more detailed than they can possibly begin to even hint at. And maybe what they're saying is the hint. Hey, something weird's going on. We can't tell you what it is because God in country. We have our national security clearances to protect, our, our livelihoods being kept from jail for treason. You know, we can't, we can't tell you what we know. But the hints got to tell you they know a lot. Was it Woolsey who um, said that he has a friend who who uh, was flying along and this object stopped his plane uh, at 40,000 feet or something like that? That was Woolsey. That was an interview he did with John Greenwald, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So, okay, so that, to me, that's very, very interesting. And the reason is, here you have a fellow who formerly was, you know, director of intelligence, and supposedly somebody he vouches for says that his plane stopped in midair at 40,000 feet. Now, either the person is making the entire story up, or it happened. And there really is no wiggle room here. He either made the story up, and Wolsey believes him, or it really, really happened. And the question then becomes, why would somebody tell Wolsey that if it didn't happen? And why would Woolsey believe that? Because he certainly has a bit of a scientific mind. You'd think he would know better. And if that's the case, um, why would you, why would this, you know, get advertised or get published anyway? Like, why, why would somebody make up such a story knowing that it's going to be used in such a manner? And why would Woolsey endorse it and give it uh, some validation if it didn't happen? We've got more to come. Boy, we have questions here with Gene, Randall, and Chris. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. The White House says there's a new record for coronavirus vaccinations in one day. White House COVID advisor Andy Slavitt tweeting yesterday that 4.6 million shots were given out on Saturday. He noted that's a half million above the previous record. The CDC says more than 117 million Americans have received at least one dose of the vaccine. Meantime, more than 70 million are now fully vaccinated. Former President Trump is feeling bullish on the Republicans' chances next year and in the next presidential election. Speaking Saturday night to the party's top donors, he said he was optimistic about the GOP's chances in the upcoming midterm elections, in addition to their chances for the White House in 2024. While he teased his candidacy, he did not flat out say he would seek the party's nomination. USA Radio News. An immigration official in the Biden administration is calling it quits. She told the New York Times her position as border coordinator was temporary and was always planned to last only three months. Jacobson's departure comes amid a spike in immigration at the southwest border that has strained federal officials who are trying to deal with unaccompanied minors. The number of migrants stopped at the southwest border in March rose to the highest monthly level in more than 20 years. That includes some 18,000 unaccompanied minors, more than twice the figure seen in February. The Pentagon has already granted approval for the Department of Health and Human Services to house unaccompanied minors at Joint Base San Antonio and at a temporary housing facility at Fort Bliss near El Paso, Texas. From the USA Radio News Pacific Northwest Bureau, I'm Wendy The NASCAR race delayed by rain resumes at 4 o'clock Eastern Time today. USA Radio News. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... 
Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Leader Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Chris, you raised the question here. Why would Woolsey say anything about it? Not that he's a very old man. He is. But why would he mention this if he wasn't hinting at a larger truth? Yeah. It's not just the one friend who had this experience, had this encounter. This is the one he could tell you about. All that other stuff he knows about. And to his dying day, he may, with his last breath, not tell you. But the fact that he gets up there and says it, that is significant. I'll ignore former representative and DNI Radcliffe for political reasons. I'll ignore Senator Rubio because he really doesn't have information to present. He's just giving you the promise of some. But Brennan and Woolsey and just what, of course, the late Admiral Helen Cotter said, all that says, I'm giving you 1% of what I know. Right. And for me, I would throw out Everything else that we've seen presented by ATIP and and uh, Elizondo <laughs> and, and, and people like that, because, because for me, this is what everything hinges on. Either it's a complete made-up story and Woolsey has fallen for it hook, line, and sinker, and why would he, and why would the person tell him that, and why is he endorsing him, or it really happened. And if it really happened, that's the game over. That's the, that's the whole ball of wax right there. There's so many other examples. I mean, that reminds me, it's a coin case, right? Where, you know, they, the helicopter just gets, you know, sucked up in the air so many you know, thousand feet. You know, a really good case. We can go all the way back to the Twining Memo. You know, the phenomenon is something real, not visionary or fictitious. There are objects probably approximating the shape of a disc of such appreciable size as to appear as large as a man-made aircraft. Do I need to go on, right? We all know about the Twining Memo, right? Yeah. Metallic, shaped craft. Their air force, their jets, chased them. The opening of the report on unidentified flying objects by Edward J. Ruppelt interviewed a pilot who chased one in daylight and shot at it. And then how many books? Like, you got, you donated the library, right? There are hundreds <laughs> of cases Absolutely. like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's no longer reasonable for me to say, no, none of that is relevant simply because we don't have scientifically valid material evidence like a landed flying saucer. I, I think even if we did, a lot of skeptics would go, no, that's not real. That's just a fake. You know, it, it, you're probably right. And, and for me, it, it's, it's, it's looking at these individual stories and, and saying, okay, if it's, I mean, for me, it's as much of a mystery, even if it's fake. Like, why would, why would the story <laughs> get, get, get made up at all? Yeah. Um, that's and, really an interesting perspective, actually. Yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, it's it's uh, in either case. To me, it's a it's a fantastic story. I mean, fantastic story. But for me, it's it's really quite significant because if it's a fake, that raises a lot of questions. Um, but of course, if it's real, that's that is the question. So 
you know, you have all these stories. And then speaking of the, you know, the aircraft being, uh, uh, you know, losing altitude or taken over or whatever, there's an interesting Canadian case which uh, I'm uh, looking into that uh, that involved the exact same thing where uh, an aircraft uh, was sort of sucked up by a UFO that was nearby. So the, these cases do go throughout the, the literature. It's not unheard of, although stopping in midair is a little unheard of at 40,000 feet. And the fact that it's backed up by a, a person of... Uh, of uh, you know, a lot of intelligence community experience behind him. That in itself is unique. You know, I hear what you're saying, Randall. I, I really do. But I, I still say that the numbers issue is very mis- misleading. However, the good news is um, we're actually pretty close to where we should be. Uh, when Stan asks his audience how many people have seen UFOs, um, you know, it's usually about 10%, and that's consistent with Gallup and Roper polls. In fact, we did our own poll here in Canada and found about the same thing. 10% of the North American population believe they've seen UFOs. Uh, in Canada, let's say 10%, uh, same sort of thing. Well, it turns out that when you look at the data that we have just from the Canadian UFO survey, 20,000 cases in 30 years, something like that, since we know that the average case a typical case has more than one witness. You can double that and turn and get something like 40,000 people have seen UFOs. And uh, if you also look at the fact that only 10% of that number have actually reported seeing something, you can uh, you know multiply that by 10. That's uh, 400,000 people in Canada have seen UFOs. And if we already said that 10% of the Canadian population believe they've seen UFOs, Canadian population is... For argument's sake, 40, 000, uh, 40 million people, so 10% of that is 4 million. We're only a factor of 10, in terms of astronomy, with an astronomical accuracy, but only a factor of 10 of having a good handle on what everybody is actually seeing. So we actually have only a factor of 10 uh, less than the number of total reports of Canadians who have seen UFOs. That's pretty good. And if you extrapolate that to the United States, multiply that by a factor of 10 as well, and then in Britain and in uh, uh, all the other countries around the world, you're looking at a very big body of, uh, of a population that believe they've seen UFOs and have actually reported them. Oh, so you yeah. don't have all those cases. That's and the question would be here, of course, what percentage of cases have enough compelling information for people to even want to report? Oh, I saw a light in the sky, big deal. They're not going to report yeah. that, or maybe they will They'll, if they are in the right environment. But it has to be a pretty significant case to take someone who is not inclined to report it to begin to even hint, at least telling a relative, a friend about it. So, you know, there is that, too, because well, I, mean, I think the awareness here is if you have a pretty significant UFO event, and certainly Patrolman Zamora would have testified to that if he's still with us, which he's not. It really has a major impact on your life. There's one thing I saw light in the sky. Big deal. Okay, cool. I saw it land. I saw two men in coveralls around it. Whatever the case is, as soon as you get those details we need to make some determination about the sighting, suddenly there's got to be a greater reluctance for people to want to say something. Because suddenly, they're right in the middle of the fire. And, you know, there's no question that there's, there's a stigma uh, uh, issue as well. 
um, that, I mean, even though uh, the section I read to you about the service reports, that's on file for all pilots uh, in Canada, and, and there's a parallel one for uh, mariners as well, and, and uh, there's similar directives for the United States. But if pilots are, are directed to do this, um, and yet most still don't because they're worried of their reputations and the paperwork and, you know, all this sort of stuff, um, we are only getting a fraction, and I agree with Randall on this, we're only getting a fraction of of what's really being observed out there. And how do we overcome that? Uh, I, I don't know, but I suspect, and I, I, you know, I, there's no question that when you have people like Woolsey and, and uh, Radcliffe and people like that coming forward and the media attention that this is generating, it very well may be a tipping point uh, so that we are going to start getting more and more reports uh, from pilots uh, and very good observers so that we do have this body of data which can then be examined by everybody. And I think that's that's the important thing. Oh, definitely. You're doing such fabulous work. Can you tell us, uh, you know, give us a couple of examples of uh, some good sightings that uh, you that came in for 2020? Well, there was a there was an interesting case. I'll just sort of pull up my file here. As he um, does that, by the way, He's going to hang with us for a while on the After the Paracast podcast, Chris Rutkowski. We kind of roped him in. And we do that when he comes on the show because he's such a valuable resource. And he's looking up this vast assemblage of UFO cases. And then we'll break for a final segment of this show before we do the premium show. And just to tell you that he'll tell you where you can find all this stuff on his site. So you can look it up for yourself and go along with it and see all the work that he's done. Chris Rutkowski, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy. That means you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamil Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with Longevity. TeamGaday.com. 
complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses. Your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nanocolloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. According to the Wall Street Journal, the new book, The Great Devaluation, is the number one business book in the world. Hi, my name's Adam Barada, two-time national best-selling author and owner of Advantage Gold, hands down the highest-rated gold firm in the country. We help investors put physical metals inside their IRAs. My first book, Gold is a Better Way, sparked a movement. My new book, The Great Devaluation, is the number one book in the country. I believe every investor should own physical metals. It's why I'm giving away my best-selling book to anyone with an IRA with over $100,000 for free. Call 800-900-8000 to get the bestseller, The Great Devaluation, sent directly to your door. That's 800-900-8000. The new decision is now obvious. Don't you deserve to do it with the best? Call 800-900-8000 for your free book today. That's 800-900-8000. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Chris, did you look up the uh, cases that Randall was asking about? Yeah, there's a couple of interesting ones, and this actually is a pilot case. This is from July of 2020 over Pickle Lake, Ontario, which is a very beautiful country, by the way. Um, Pickle Lake? And that Pickle sounds like Lake. a pretty sour place to visit. Oh, that's so <laughs> An object three feet in diameter passed over the right wing of the aircraft, nothing on radar. So the pilot of an aircraft was flying from uh, Thunder Bay to another lake, Uh, in Ontario, reported an object that passed over the right wing of the aircraft. It was three feet in diameter. There was no traffic on radar in the vicinity. Transport Canada. Did it look like a bird or did it look like a... Oh, okay. That's the problem, that we don't have the information. We don't have the full information on this, but this is what was reported and what was in the report. So what do you do with a case like that? I mean, it's seen by a pilot, made the report, because the directive told him to, 
and we have this information. We know when it occurred, what date it occurred, where it occurred. Um, it was at 8.11 uh, in the evening uh, in July, so it was still fairly bright out. What do you do with cases like that? Well, you got to throw them into the insufficient information pile because... You know, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Without further details, you can't really say much much about it. If the object was traveling in the same direction as the aircraft, that would be something, right? If it went backwards past the pilot in, in the direction, the other direction, then it, for all we know, it could have been standing still, in which case, yeah. you know. So, yeah, insufficient information. Yeah. And then here's here's a case that you have enough information, um, and it's a very odd bird, maybe not a bird, um, <laughs> but uh, the, this happened in January in Toronto, and this is from the witness. I was shoveling snow on my balcony when I saw something in my peripheral vision. When I looked up, it was about four or five feet away from me, levitating above a roof. It was seven feet long, silver on both sides with two black things at each end, can't describe them, almost like camera shutters. It had no noise at all. I stood there staring at it, and the one side kind of folded in on itself. I went to the end of the balcony to get a better look, and it was gone. There's a weird one. Okay, well, this is that's an entirely different situation then, isn't it? Yeah. That's a close encounter. That's a close encounter. What do you do with something that's that's only you know, four or five feet away from you, uh, seven feet long, and you get a good look at it. What do you do with cases like that? I'm tempted to say drone, but drones make a lot of noise. They do. They do, and they don't suddenly disappear like that. Not usually, no. I mean, Not I, usually, no. No, I mean, maybe, you know, it could go behind something. I mean, if it can be believed. See, this is the other problem. Back in the day, you had people like Valier who had said, well, look, the reliability of a, of a report depends on whether or not anybody went out and actually investigated it. Did this person mm-hmm. really exist? Did the balcony really exist? Did the house even exist? And you've got to take that seriously because me, I, back in the day when I went to, when I was going to school, I used to deliver pizzas for to make some spare change, uh, spending money. And sure enough, a couple of times a week, we'd just get a complete fake order, and they'd send us to a fake address that didn't exist. So, I mean, who knows? How do you how do you and, even know if nobody goes and looks? And that attests to the importance of investigation. And investigation is almost non-existent now in ufology. People will make a statement or a claim, and people say, "Wow, that's fantastic! It's it, you know, it, it, you know, it validates what I saw the other day." Nobody thinks to say, "Well, but did that other one really happen?" And it has to be investigated. Yes. And it, it is true that that I think investigation is sadly lacking in ufology today, and it's it's very sad. At the same time, we can do some stuff remotely. Like if we had an address, for example, mm-hmm. we could say, okay, well, let's go to Google Maps. Let's look it up. Is there a house with a balcony at that address? In some cases, I've done things like that and found, no, there isn't. It's a business district. All there is is a mall. It's obviously fake, right? Mm-hmm. But how many people bother to do that? Exactly. How many people bother? And unfortunately, the numbers of, of people, I think that the numbers of people who take the time to do the legwork are dwindling. I mean, it's it's interesting to see, you know, to watch X-Files and see Mulder and Scully fly around the world uh, investigating with an unlimited budget. But, you know, a lot of cases just involve 
you know, and these days during the pandemic, you can't do anything in person, but you can do things uh, remotely uh, and talk to people and interview and email back and forth. There's a certain amount that can be done, but that takes time. And a lot of people are simply not interested in that anymore. And it's very frustrating. If you won the lottery, how would you spend it on, <laughs> you know, what if you if you did have the budget, what kind of resources would you like to have to do a proper investigation? That's an interesting question. I, I at one point, I, I actually did fantasize about that, that I would get an office somewhere and actually do s- set up a an X-Files office and, and get some advertising. I mean, Tom DeLong was on the right track when he hired a PR company to get TTSA some, some advertising. I mean, that's part of the reason why we had such a media interest in the, from mainstream media into the UFO thing. Um, it, you know, getting, uh, getting uh, enough people knowing that you exist and are interested in uh, hearing from their reports, that would be the most valuable thing to do. And, uh, uh, you know, the rest would sort of fall into place after that. Whatever has happened to Tom DeLong, that group seems to have kind of vanished. I think, didn't he come out with a, um, a new album? Uh, Blink-182? I, I, I don't know. I don't follow that particular generation of music. I have no idea. But again, yeah, if, if we ha- that's the thing, too. You think of all these billionaires running around with money and Jeff Bezos with 180-some-odd billion dollars. And... Compared to that, you know, Bob Bigelow is a poor man. <laughs> well, he certainly yeah. is now. If he went, he declared bankruptcy. That's no question of that. Oh, he did. Didn't his Bass B A A S S company uh, that was declared bankrupt, and uh, the buildings are all closed, and the staff was all laid off. Oh, that's that's I, what I understand. I haven't followed that. I heard he was becoming more interested in the the psychic area of the paranormal as opposed to the UFO area. And I wasn't aware about that. I was worried about the budget suites because hotels aren't doing very well. And if that yeah. remained a major source of his wealth, I could see where that would have been a problem. I, I think one of the problems with all the billionaires and why they're not looking into the UFO phenomenon is that it's hard to monetize ufology. I mean, like you mentioned Tom DeLong, and that didn't go all that well. If you have all that money, why do you have to monetize it? Why do you need the profit? I'm going to ask you, Chris Rudkowski, if our listeners are interested in finding more of the things that you do, where do they go? There's a number of places where you can find out more about uh, myself and the research. You can go to survey.canadianuforeport.com. That's survey.canadianuforeport.com to look at the entire set of Canadian UFO surveys going back 32 years the data is actually there in a number of spreadsheets. You can pick out your favorite locations and vacation spots. And you can also look at t- tables and uh, descriptions and essays, and also a link for reporting your own UFO. I also have a blog that's uforum, uforum.blogspot.com, in which I discuss UFO phenomena, including the survey and other interesting cases over the years. That's uforum, uforum.blogspot.com. And I'm also on Facebook. And Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, you can find us on Facebook, and you can find branded merchandise at theparacast.shop, theparacast.shop. We give you four different logos. We have the T-shirts and all the good stuff. We even have a mid-sized pet bed, a dog bed. So I have to get one of those for Teddy Bear. 
And we also have the PowerCast Plus. Go to the PowerCast.plus. We offer you the show free of the network ads, better quality audio, the After the PowerCast podcast, where Chris Rutkowski will be back and he'll have more stuff to talk to us about. We also offer a special deal for five-year or lifetime subscriptions. We give you the free coupon for the James Fox UFO documentary, The Phenomenon, and three hours of extra material. To get more information on the Paracast Plus, go to the Paracast.plus, the Paracast.plus. Chris Rutkowski, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Glad to be here. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>